If you don't mind bowing your heads for a word of prayer as we get started here. Precious Heavenly Father, thank you for this new day, for this opportunity to be in this place, fellowshipping, learning from one another. I pray that you will bless this presentation and may the lessons you've been teaching Luke and I be a blessing to those who are here. In your name we pray, amen. amen. So I have to tell you very frankly that when <clears throat> Vivian Seiler contacted me about teaching this class, I said, I told her, that sounds like a really great class title. I need to attend that class. <laughs> I do not think that I am qualified to teach that class. Um, but she encouraged me to pray about it, and I prayed about it, and uh, here I am. So I'm not here as an expert to share with you exactly how to garden with children, the perfect blueprint, but I am here to share with you our journey as we're learning and as we're growing. We found some things that work, we found things that don't work very well, and uh, I feel like, you know, I'm just going to share with you frankly from my, my testimony and experience. Um, I'm going to start off with a quote from Adventist Home that has really blessed me and inspired me in this area. It says, Let each of your children have a piece of ground of their own. And as you teach them how to make a garden, how to prepare the soil for seed, and the importance of keeping all the weeds pulled out, teach them also how important it is to keep unsightly, injurious practices out of the life. Teach them to keep down wrong habits as they keep down the weeds in their gardens. It will take time to teach these lessons, but it will pay, greatly pay. Adventist Home, page 146. And I mean, isn't that the whole point? We want our children's characters to be developed in the likeness of God, and the garden is a wonderful place to start teaching those lessons. So I'll tell you a little bit about ourselves. Our family quite literally lives in the garden. Gardening is not just an event of our day, a one hour time on the schedule. Gardening is our life at this stage. And so we have had to find ways to make our life work in the garden. Um, it started early, you can see this picture here is of our oldest. I think he was about three weeks old here when we uh, really took him out to the garden. Well, we took him out to the garden right at the beginning. But when we first had our first family work day in the garden, after he was born, I was feeling up to working again. and it was spring, the weather was really nice. We wrapped him up in one of his daddy's sweaters and put him under a cabbage leaf and he just slept there peacefully as newborns do as we were working in the garden. And I feel like that was the beginning of our children's journey in the garden. Living, growing, eating, experiencing all kinds of, all kinds of things out there in the garden. So we spent the first five years of our marriage market gardening in the spring and summer and then in the fall and winter, we volunteered in, in the Congo. And it was just a really, really great experience. Um, we were growing a family, uh, but we still had few enough children that we could kind of put them in the backpack and just keep on going. Um, and then we went, um, we accepted a full-time overseas service, and we were there for two years. And so we kind of took a break from gardening during that time. And when we came back to start up gardening again, we had four children. And I'll tell you, it's, you definitely have to juggle things differently when you have four children rather than two. There's not enough backpacks to go around anymore. <laughs> so, um, as we were finishing up our stint overseas, we had actually 
been in a more challenging environment. We had been living in town, and it was the first time I had lived in town since I was a child, the first time my children ever lived in town. And it was difficult. I mean, we made it work. We had a, a yard, and we grew a little patio garden. But at the end of that time, we really felt the need to just get back in nature, really deeply connect with God as a family, um, spending lots and lots of time outside. So as we were evaluating what that would look like for our family, we decided our priorities were spending time in nature, um, working on the character development of our children at what we felt like was a critical stage for them. They were zero to four at the time. And uh, we wanted to take the opportunity before we started like the official homeschool journey to really strengthen the practical virtues in them. So we wanted to teach them the first, first lessons in hard work and resourcefulness and fortitude. Um, and we also wanted to remain debt-free. Um, we did not, we'd been saving to build a house, but we didn't have enough money yet, and so we were like, okay, we didn't want to rent, because renting typically in our area at least means living in or right near a town. Um, we wanted to be on the farm, but there was no housing for us on the farm, and so we decided to um, buy a canvas tent. I think I have a picture here. So we decided to homestead. It was supposed to be just a very temporary thing. We were going to live in it for the spring and summer and start working on building in the fall. Um, and we've been in the tent now for two years. This is our finishing our third winter. And it has been quite the journey. We have been able to meet a lot of our goals, which is a real blessing. Um, we've started building now, but it's, building is a real process. Uh, but I'll tell you, there's been all kinds of lessons that I never anticipated learning. I never anticipated how difficult the experience would be for me, frankly. Um, my husband and children love it, so that, that helps because they just think life is one grand adventure. But as a mother with four little ones, it's not always easy when you come home after a day in the garden and, you know, it's cold and the wood is wet, so the fire's not starting very well and the generator's out of gas, so I can't do the laundry and... The water pipes are frozen, so we can't even take a shot. You know what I'm saying. It's like, I feel like, why am I dealing with these very fundamental problems? I mean, <laughs> I have enough on my plate that I should be able to just turn on the sink and have water come out. But I have been encouraged. There's a, there's a quote, I think I actually was looking it up this morning in my devotions, that has really inspired me in this journey. This is from the book... Christian Experience and Teachings of Ellen White. And this is her commentary on her vision of walking the narrow path, you know, the allegory of the journey to heaven. And she says, we thought then of those, this is where the, the road is getting so narrow that they've actually had to take their shoes off and they're just walking in stockings. We then thought of those who had not accustomed themselves to privations and hardships. Where were the, such now? They were not in the company. At every change, some were left behind, and those only remained who had accustomed themselves to endure hardships. The privations of the way only made these more eager to press on to the end. You know, in our country today, um, we, I know we all face hardships in our lives, but in a physical sense, usually hardships and privations are not something that we really experience. And uh, so... As I've gone through the experience of the last couple of years, I've realized that God is using these lessons in my life to prepare me for the days ahead and to make me a fit teacher for my children as I'm seeking to prepare their characters for eternity. 
So anyway, back to gardening. Um, we are still learning and growing in uh, how to manage keeping our children a priority while we are running a full-time market gardening business. And like I said, that's a, that's a journey that we're still on. Um, and we're still learning those, that balance. But I'm going to share with you practical ways that we have made the garden a place that our children love. It's a place of discovery and a place of joy to them. So first of all, I would say the most important thing is my attitude. If it makes all the difference in the world. If I am excited about the work that we're doing out there in the garden, if I'm enthusiastic about it, and if I exude that attitude to my children, they pick up on that, they copy that attitude. Even if they're in a grumpy mood when we're heading out there, if I maintain that cheerful, excited attitude, it, it totally rubs off on them. Um, here's an example. I mean, there's some, there's some things in the garden that I don't enjoy doing, but in general, I do love gardening. And I really, I love planting seeds. It's one of my favorite things to do. I love starting the seeds in the spring, early spring, late winter in the greenhouse. And I'll talk about it weeks ahead of time with the kids. I'm like, hey, guess what? Look at this catalog. It's almost time. We're going to be, you know, basically ramping it up. And by the time it's, it's time to begin our market season, they are so excited. And they think it's the greatest thing in the world. Um, I'm always looking ahead to the things that are coming. Children love anticipation. I mean, I loved anticipation as a child. And one of our favorite times on the farm is uh, strawberries and asparagus season. They kind, of, they kind of overlap. And to me, it's just like the quintessential spring, being out there picking strawberries, picking asparagus. Um, weather is beautiful. Birds are singing. And I really kind of romanticized it in my mind. And <laughs> I just... Love to think about it all year round. When I'm actually in the middle of it, sometimes I'm thinking, man, what, you know, what's so great about this <laughs> after I've been picking strawberries for hours? But I talk about it with my kids. And all season through, I'm like, guess what? As soon as winter's over, guess what? We're going to have strawberries in the garden again. And they're excited. They, they love to come out there. They look forward to it, too. Um, I remember when I first got married to Luke, I thought that hoeing was like this negative thing because I had grown up reading character building stories where like the children, one of their consequences was having to like hoe a row of corn out in the heat. And I just, hoeing wasn't really something that we did in our little garden very much. We just kind of pulled weeds by hand. But when I got to the farm, they do a lot of hoeing, including hoeing rows of corn. But my husband loves hoeing. It's like one of his favorite things to do. And I remember one day, I was like, what are we going to do this evening? And I'm thinking, I grew up in a home where family time was something totally recreational, like we would play hide and seek or read books or you know, take a bike ride. And he's like, let's hoe the sweet corn for family time. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and I just, I could not wrap my mind around that. But I realized that it was totally an attitude and perspective thing. And... I understand now, you know, when, when his family hoes together, like all the different families on the farm come together in the evening, in the cool of the day, we all go out there and hoe the sweet corn, and it is a real highlight. We talk, we laugh, we have a great time, and, you know, when we're done, we all go and jump in the pond. It's, it's wonderful, and my kids love hoeing now. To them, it's like a big treat at the end of the day. 
And to me, that's all about attitude. That's all about the perspective that you bring to a situation. I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So encourage exploration. If you interest your children in the natural world, there's endless opportunities of interest out in the garden. Um, children are naturally inquisitive, but like you can, you can encourage that, and it'll even grow as you feed it. Encourage their curiosity. Encourage them to look around and discover the things around them. My daughter is in love with frogs. She is like the very typical farm girl who carries a frog in her pocket, literally. It's a little bit gross, but that's how she is. And uh, this spring, around our garden, we had done some bulldozing work. We've moved our gardens to our homestead area now. So there were like a lot of really deep ruts around our garden and they filled in with rain and the frogs came and laid their eggs. My kids spent hours and hours and hours, days, weeks on their bellies at the edge of those ruts studying the tadpoles. And it was the greatest babysitter. I mean, we could go out there, my husband and I could really focus and work as they would be studying their frogs in their mud puddles. And uh, we really encouraged that, and we, and we made them some terrariums and let them get their tadpoles and bring them to our tent so they could, I mean, they watched them grow out there in their little boggy ponds, but they also really enjoyed watching them grow in our space and learning what they like to eat and whatever. And it was wonderful. And every single day when we went out to the garden in the morning, they just rushed back to their little frog ponds to see how much the tadpoles had grown. Maria was like over the moon when she caught this bullfrog. We were, we were on our way home one evening and it was hopping in the road and Luke got out and helped her to get it. And yeah, she just, she didn't want to let it go. She really wanted to keep it as a pet. I don't know if you can tell how huge it is, but like it was humongous. It was, it gave me the heebie-jeebies to look at it, <laughs> really. And she actually, she convinced us to keep it overnight and put it in a five gallon bucket with something on top well, in the middle of the night, the horses came along and are sniffing the bucket because it was an old grain bucket and like knocked off the lid and this frog comes out at them. Oh my, the ruckus was incredible. We all woke up. <laughs> anyway, they also love studying insects and we've gotten them little cages and gotten them, you know, their butterfly nets and magnifying glasses and just help to encourage and to feed that inquisitiveness so that they they love nature. They love building playhouses with sticks and weeds and grass and stuff and can just spend hours doing that kind of thing. Um, one of the other things, oh, here's, she also loves snakes. This is when she was a baby. Um, one of the other things we've done, which is a creative solution to our particular situation, um, most of the work so far in our market garden business has been done by my husband and myself. We hire at least we do most of the harvesting. We hire people to help us with the processing, but we have found that for the most part, you know, we can usually harvest about three times as fast as anybody that we hire, so we've done most of the harvesting ourselves. We are trying to transition into not relying on me so much so that I can be more full-time focused on the children and have them in the garden, but not really need to accomplish anything in the garden besides child training. Um, but this past year was a very demanding year. Um, it was just... We just had so, because of COVID, our business really expanded and we had um, so many customers. So anyway, we spent a lot of early mornings out in the garden and we would just, we would just get up at, you know, five o'clock, have our devotions or 4.30 
and then pack up the sleeping kids in the back of our car at you know 5:30 in the morning, and lots of blankets and pillows and whatever, and then drive to the garden and let them wake up back there slowly as we're out there harvesting. And they actually loved it. To them, it was like this big adventure that they really enjoyed waking up in the car. And um, as they would start waking up and poking their heads out and whatever, then we would have a picnic breakfast by the garden, which they also thought was the greatest thing. I mean, it might have been Cheerios and, and milk most of the time, but it was very exciting to them to wake up at the garden and eat breakfast at the garden and just start the day that way. So something that was very simple and actually helped to accomplish our goals was something that made the garden an even more exciting place for our kids. So you can see in this picture, there, uh, you can see the blankets left over from, <laughs> they were waking up and we'd already harvest all the stuff on the back of the vehicle. And they're all smiles. Um, another thing that I have found that has really helped our kids to really enjoy gardening is teaching them to love the food that we're growing. Um, one of the ways that we've done that, I mean, they've, they've just eaten stuff out of the garden from the time they were very little, dirt and all. But this year, we started, um, I think it was really their idea, but basically we gave them access to our compost bin and would let them just, we made kind of like a mud kitchen. And we've taught our kids knife safety from the time they were about two years old. So like the five and six-year-old are really good with knives now. And we just let them cut up the compost and make their little... Um, soups and stews and whatever out of the old produce. And uh, you can see they made fairly elaborate creations. <laughs> you can see the, the empty yellow compost bucket right next there. <laughs> they just, they were really excited, but they love that. Kids love handling real food. I mean, I did when I was little. I remember when my mom gave us an old um, bin of flour. It was like the most amazing thing. We didn't have to make mud pies. We could make real pies out of this flour, right? And so, real knives, real utensils. <laughs> yes, they love real knives too. <clears throat> I can't say that they've never cut their fingers, but they haven't cut their fingers off. And, <laughs> we, and they really, really enjoy the experience of working with real utensils, working with real food. So anyway, they started off this spring just making all these creations out of compost. And my husband and I realized, hey, we could really we could really capitalize on this as they were starting to make more and more um, what looked like edible things to eat. I mean, you can be sure that they went ahead and ate a lot of these things that came out of the compost bin. But so we started to just kind of direct their, their activity and teach them things about like hygiene and choosing good vegetables to make real, real things. And anyway, here's an example of something they, a breakfast that they made for us out in the garden that was actually really good. And they do this all the time now. And it really helps me because I then don't have to stop to make lunch. They can just make lunch all morning and then we can <laughs> eat it when it's time. And so they'll make all kinds of, they love making stir fry. This is like a salad with uh, tofu. They like adding tofu to anything they make and we all like tofu, so that works. Um, they also love to make soup, and they'll put just all kinds of things from the, I mean, they'll go harvest it themselves, go wash it, chop it up, and put it in soup. Now, I have to tell you that I've eaten things in soup that I'd never imagined eating in soup before. Like, they love to put cucumbers in the soup and radishes in the soup, but they actually don't taste that bad. And we give them yeast flakes and salt, and they season their soup. And 
one of the things that we've done to encourage it is being super enthusiastic about eating this and being like, you guys are such good cooks. This tastes so good. This is like one of the best soups I've ever had. And they're so excited. They're so excited about the garden. They're so excited about vegetables. And um, this winter when the seed catalogs came, they were like, what would be good in soup? You know, just (laughs) anyway. So that's another thing we've done to encourage their enthusiasm about the garden. Um, we've also let our kids try everything. So when, um, when Vivian talked to me about teaching this class, she was, she was saying that somebody on the programming committee had said to her, you know, I want to know how I can get my kids to like enjoy working out in the garden instead of complaining the whole time and whatever. Obviously my experience is with very little children so far and we have not required them to work long hours in the garden. Mostly so far, the experience has been teaching them how to enjoy being out there. Um, And we're transitioning slowly, one step at a time, in in increasing their ability to actually stick to a project and work. But I feel like um, if you start that too early, then the whole experience just kind of becomes a drudge to a child. And they're like, oh, no, we don't want to go there. I mean, that's where we, whatever. So I think you need to find a balance, because of course you need to teach perseverance. But at the same time, you want a little child to experience the free as lamb stage of life, where just there's everything to explore and discover, and it all seems so wonderful. Um, So one of the things we've done is we've let our children try everything that we're doing. Um, And sometimes this is difficult when we're in the let's get this done mindset. It's hard to have them come along and be like, oh, can I try that when we get a new tool? And like, you know they can't do it effectively. But we thought, okay, this is an investment in our future. And you know, we'll take a moment and let them help us seed. And when they're really little, I just tell myself, this is, I'm not going to have to deal with this long. They'll only do it for about two minutes, you know, a max. And then they'll be on their way. So let me just help them for these couple of minutes that they're interested. But as they get a little bit older, maybe they want to try longer and they really get in the way of our production. But again, I have to remind myself when we're, we're growing in this every day that the time that we invest in them now is really going to pay off in the future. So I have a few pictures of them helping in various capacities. Here they were helping to weigh up micronutrients, which they uh, really enjoy doing. Um, Hudson... We, this is our asparagus picker machine, and all boys love machines, and our son is no exception. He always begs to you know, help harvest asparagus in the spring. And uh, our machine has three seats, and it would like be most helpful if he was willing to sit on our laps or whatever, but no, he always wants his own adult seat, which meant at the beginning that most of the asparagus on his row would not be picked. And so we... Uh, but we would let him do it. We thought, you know what? He really wants to try it. Let's encourage this. And so um, we would just get a worker to walk behind him and pick all the stuff that he missed. But over the years, he's gotten better and better. I mean, he started when he was like three. And now this last year, if we drove slow, he could actually keep up with picking. Um, and he and Maria were extremely helpful this year when we first started our our old asparagus field really has gone out of production. So this past year, there was not enough to actually fire up the machine. So we had to hand pick. And if you know anything about hand picking, like seven acres of asparagus, um, that's a lot of work. 
and very backbreaking. But when you're a little person, a lot closer to the ground, it's, you know, it's easier for you than it is for adults. And they really helped us with hand picking the field this year. And I feel like their enthusiasm had a lot to do with the fact that we had let them help in years previous and made them feel like they were, they were a part of the team. This is one of the favorite jobs for our little people, um, digging potatoes. They love eating raw potatoes, which I have never quite understood. Um, here they are seeding. As you can see, my husband gave them a jar of old lettuce seed. He wasn't sure how it would germinate. And it was spread very thickly, as you can see. But it was OK. They, they really, really loved the process. Here they were. Everybody wanted to take a turn trying the, uh, the broad fork and had the time of their lives doing so. Um, this year, when we, we started, we tipped our own strawberries for the first time. And it was a pretty big job. But every child really wanted to be involved. And here we have baby Luke. He actually did fill up those seed trays. I mean, we kind of had to go and get the areas that he missed, but he <laughs> really enjoyed being part of the process. And uh, our two-year-old, she actually was one in this picture. Um, she's extremely particular, detail-oriented, the only one of our family who's that way. And she actually did a really, really good job tipping the berries. Here we are in a carrot harvest in eating as many as are being harvested I'm sure this is the job that they all like the best <laughs> I have trained the older ones the little ones still are working on it but I've trained the older ones to only eat seconds so they will go around and they'll be like is this a second look there's a teeny tiny little brown spot on it you know <laughs> filling up their bellies with seconds um, this is an example of one project that we thought, okay, our older children are old enough to really persevere with something until it's done. So when we dug the sweet potatoes this year, we told them, we want you to help us, and we want you to help us until the project is finished. And it required some encouragement. It required a lot of perseverance on their part. Um, but we, we did it together. We even took great-grandma out there and a cousin, and that made it more exciting. And they persevered to the very end. And they feel so excited every time I cook sweet potatoes that they really helped to harvest those sweet potatoes. Um, as, as they've gotten bigger, giving them bigger responsibilities, I feel like, is important. I don't know if all children are this way, but my oldest is especially this way. He feels like he knows the difference between us giving him an unnecessary job to keep him busy and us actually giving him a job that we really really need him to do like he really is making a difference we couldn't do the project without him and it makes all the difference in the world for him at for his motivation level in actually wanting to stick with that job so we've found ways and means to give him jobs that are within his capability but really are a vital part of the team and we've seen him just grow tremendously in his level of responsibility and um, Luke actually found this junk tractor for $25 at a yard sale and went and got it and fixed it up for Hudson and then got him a wagon for Christmas. And you can see right before we came on this trip, he was hauling away all the dead pepper vines, getting our caterpillar tunnel ready to plant when we get back. And he's so excited about it. And he's, he just wants us to give him more jobs that require the tractor and trailer. Um, anyway, he's six. He, he barely reaches the gas and brakes, but he, he knows how to do it. You can run it better than I can. 
Um, but you know, starting them young is, is a good thing to do. So another thing we've tried to do is encourage entrepreneurship early. Um, we gave our kids their own garden spots. Kids love that. I loved that when I was little, having your own place where you can decide what you're going to grow and you can do with the produce what you want. A couple years ago, we gave the oldest two their own garden spot, and uh, it, was very, it was very inspiring to see how motivated they were suddenly to actually hoe and to, to persevere with jobs because it was theirs, and they wanted to do it, and they wanted to keep it looking nice. So um, I would say to you know, find your children's motivation and to capitalize on it because motivation is different for different children. Um, for instance, my oldest is very motivated by earning money, and uh, I think that's common, but he's, he's very business-minded, and he's like, okay, you know, what crop do I need to grow in this space to make the most money and this kind of thing? Um, so anyway, we, we've encouraged that, but at the same time taught him proper godly money, money management. The point in life is not making money. Um, but anyway, it's okay for him to work and to have proceeds from his, from his work. And so the first year he planted, he, um, he made about $45 profit off of his little, which is not bad for a five-year-old, and he bought a bee suit with his $45 and then really got into bees this last year and grew some more stuff and did the bees. And I was blown away. They harvested honey from their hives this fall, and they couldn't harvest very much because it's like the first year, and they had to leave enough for the winter or whatever. But people will buy local honey at like, I would never buy local honey or any honey or, I mean, anything for the price that we were selling our honey for. My husband assured me it's not overpriced, and sure enough, as soon as we opened our market, people were like, oh, local honey, oh, this is such a good deal. Let me take 10. You know, like, like whew, we should have priced this higher. But the kids, you know, they've made 100 or $150 on their first little harvest of honey. That's like a lot of money for little children. But it's possible, and they're so excited. They went ahead and are spending that money on more seeds and bee equipment. Their father really tries to teach them that everything costs money and um, you know, we encourage them along at first and let them like harvest things from our garden for them to sell. But very soon, Luke was like, okay, no, they're making too much money doing this. They need to pay us for that produce before they sell it. Anyway, real life lessons. And they have, they've really, really enjoyed and been motivated to garden in that way. My, my daughter is not as motivated by money. That's like, I don't know, she's, She's very artistic. She's very giving, not business-minded at all. Money is, you take it or leave it. Like, she would much prefer to have 100 pennies than to have a $1 bill. You know, she's still in that stage of life. But she loves to give. Making things and giving things to people is really huge for her. So she grew a bunch of pumpkins this past summer. And this fall, she, was, she really wanted to make a pumpkin pie for her great-grandma. And... Uh, it was, I remember, she was talking to me about it for a couple of weeks, and I just, my life is so full that I don't always just have time to drop and make a pumpkin pie. Plus, when you're homesteading, making a pumpkin pie also means getting your wood cook stove hot enough that you can bake a pie. I mean, it's more complicated than just making a pumpkin pie. Um, but I remember this particular Friday, she was like, I really want to make a pumpkin pie for great-grandma. So I was like, okay, today's the day. 
you go get your pumpkin, well, let's put it in the oven and you know, we'll make a pumpkin pie. So she made a pumpkin pie for great grandma with her very own pumpkin and sweet potatoes and was so proud of it and took it to grandma and grandma ate it and was so pleased. And it was actually, this is a really sweet story because grandma, great grandma, the very next day she had a stroke and she died the day after and the pumpkin pie was the very last thing she ate before she died. And I was just so thankful, I mean, <laughs> that we made that pumpkin pie. I would have always felt bad if we hadn't. But Maria is just so motivated by, by that motivation, growing to give. And uh, so anyway, that's just to say to find your child's motivation. Find the thing that makes them happy and them excited and re really capitalize on that in context of the garden. Another thing that our kids love doing is taking their produce to the county fair. I didn't grow up doing this, and uh, it is very exciting. I mean, it's even exciting for us. And uh, they made a lot of prizes this year. Um, we, <laughs> my parents, when I sent them this picture, they were like, how did they get that many ribbons? Well, like, it was a lot of work for the parents. The kids went and harvested a bunch of stuff, but then I went and had to put in all these entries, and basically, we, um, we didn't have a ton of competition is the truth. <laughs> and we entered like a pumpkin for Luke, a pumpkin for Linnea Rose, a pumpkin for Maria. We, we entered multiple entries in every single category so that they could walk home with some prizes, but they just like took home prizes for everything that we took. So we took like 35 or 40 entries. And so that's why all the ribbons. <laughs> and um, what, I, what I appreciated about the situation was that it wasn't very competitive. Like, I don't want to encourage competition in my children, but the judging is done when people are not there and you just kind of go later and see what you got. Um, it's all on display and you can see your ribbons, then you can come later and pick them up. And my kids are not savvy enough, maybe the oldest one is, but like Maria loved the pink ribbons the most. She just really loved her pink ribbons, fifth place, and just greatly cherished the two pink ribbons that she made. <laughs> But it was very exciting for them and made them all the more eager to grow a garden this year so they can take more things to the county fair. Now, that's our daughter. She, she spent some of her money. Um, actually, no, that's not right. Hudson bought himself a new bee suit this spring and gave his old one to Maria so she could join the beekeeping operation. And they've really, really enjoyed that. That's something that she and Hudson and Luke have done together. Um, they've had no traumatizing experiences. The children haven't yet, though my husband has, oh my, they, he got a, um, a queen, a Russian queen bee or something. Anyway, she's made this hive of extremely angry bees and we stay far away from them. But he was in a bee suit, but he forgot to zip up this part of it. And so they all climbed right up onto his face and it was, it was very exciting. I wasn't there. He ran and jumped in the pond, and the children came running for me. Anyway, um, so one of the things that we have tried to do in the garden is really embrace the life lessons that the gardening life um, has to offer. And you and where you come from and your perspective may have different lessons that you really have a burden to teach your children than we do. Some of the things that Luke and I really value are um, flexibility, hardiness, resourcefulness, fortitude. These are things that 
because of where we've been in life, what we've been called to, have our characteristics that have really served us well and are things that we really want to pass down to our children. And the garden has provided lots of opportunities for this. You know, some, and there's nothing wrong with a life that's more rigidly structured than our life, but like some babies cannot nap anywhere but their crib. That's the only place they can nap, and they nap really well in their crib. But for us, if I would have trained my children to do that, it would have been very inconvenient for our life because, you know, I'd have to be in the house or in the tent every, every time one child had to take a nap. So we've taught our children to just nap anywhere and everywhere. And as you can see, this was my... I felt like giving myself a blue ribbon for getting all four of them and the dog down for a nap at the same time one afternoon so we could clean out the tomato tunnel together. But they're very flexible. They're, they're very willing to adapt and to, they're able to, um, you know, take their naps anywhere or eat without sitting at a table or whatever. These are things that we've been able to teach them through, our, through the garden, through our lifestyle. Um, hardiness, I was talking about this before, how important it is to learn how to endure hardship. It's uh, something that we've found as a natural part of our gardening. Like the weather is not always great outside and you still have to go out there and harvest. Sometimes we're out there on rainy, drizzly days when you'd really rather not be in the garden at all. But Taking our kids with us and teaching them to have good attitudes out there, even under unideal circumstances, is a way that they develop that hardiness of character that can stand up to greater trials. Um, this is a rainy day garden picture. Please don't notice how badly overgrown the crabgrass weeds are around our lettuce. But I, I have purchased, we live very frugally, and like I buy all of our clothes from Goodwill. But there's a few items that I have gotten that are high quality, like this rain gear here. These rain suits my kids will put on and they can stay warm and dry all day long, no matter how muddy or how cold, how inclement the weather gets. So there's a few items that I thought were important to invest in to help our children to enjoy their environment under every circumstance much more. Um, gardening with baby babies is just difficult. They just, I mean, there's certain sections of the garden that we can have the babies in that won't be damaged too much by their crawling around. But many times we just have to put them in the backpack or put them on the shoulders and, and go and do what we need to do to keep them. My, my youngest one really loves to uproot plants. It's his favorite thing. And of course, uh, yeah, the, the real plants are a lot easier to uproot than the weeds, so. He'll be a great weeder someday, but until then, we just have to be creative and find ways to keep him out of, out of trouble. Um, another lesson that we've taught our children through the garden is fortitude through disappointments. And I'll give you an example. A couple of years ago, we set up a, a caterpillar tunnel for our kids. It was just like a quarter length caterpillar tunnel, and they were so excited. and planted a bunch of tomatoes in there and had lots of hopes and dreams for it. Um, but they got them in the ground and they had like gorgeous plants. They had seeded them themselves. Hudson had made all the soil blocks himself, 
himself and they had watered them. They were really looking good. They were looking better than our tomatoes actually. But they got them in the ground and then they didn't grow. They just literally stayed the same size and then they started curling up and dying. And all of our tomatoes in our huge greenhouse were doing the same thing. So I was pretty frantic for a while because this was like our cash crop. Our asparagus was going down and um, the weather was so inclement. I mean, we were getting so much rain that year that most of our garden outside of our greenhouse was drowned out. We really didn't have that much of a harvest from it. So I felt like we were really depending on our greenhouse and what in the world was happening? Well, it was a real journey of learning to trust the Lord in spite of great disappointment. We finally figured out that the compost we had used to plant all of those tomato plants was, um, was from a neighboring farm that had a horse operation on it and the horse manure had been um, contaminated or it was contaminated with herbicide that the horses had eaten out in the sprayed fields. And that herbicide made it through to our tomatoes, which are very sensitive, and they all died, every single one of them. And, uh, and then the ground was poisoned, so we couldn't even use the greenhouse to, to do anything else that year. So it was a huge financial loss for us, a huge disappointment. But what was even harder for me, you know, I came to terms with the fact that in farming, sometimes this happens, you know, you just have to be ready for unexpected. But that our kids, who were so excited and had worked so hard, now saw their stuff just going to pot. And I was just like, why? I mean, <laughs> Lord, can't you just like counteract the poison compost in here and just let them grow any way? I mean, we're trying to train our kids to, to love this. And here, this is a huge blow to them. And it was really hard for me to process it in my mind. Um, until the Lord reminded me that this was an even deeper opportunity to help them start learning these lessons of fortitude through disappointment. And you know, as a parent, we really try to shelter our children from all the disappointments possible. And that's our job. I think we should do that. But at the same time, we need to recognize, especially in this day and age that we live in, we're not able to shelter them from everything. And as they're maturing and going into the world, they're going to meet a lot of disappointment and a lot of pain and a lot of sorrow. And we can use these unexpected circumstances in life to help start training them to be ready to meet that kind of thing. I mean, in this last year, our children have dealt with the same thing that we've dealt with. You know, my kids were really disappointed for weeks at a time, not able to go to Sabbath school, which was like the highlight of their week because our church was closed due to COVID. And these are things that we weren't able to shelter them from. And yet, as we, as we started stepping them through these lessons of, you know, this is really disappointing, but it's okay. God is still on the throne. He has a plan. We can trust in him. He's going to find another way to help us get through this. These are things that even as very small children will, they can grasp those lessons at their level. And it can really make an impact on the kind of strength that as people they are able to have later on in life. Um, trusting in God and gratitude are two other big things that we've taught, sought to teach our children through the garden. Obviously, as a farmer, you have to trust God. You cannot order the rain on time. You can't order the rain to stop when there's too much. We went through, when I married Luke, we went through two years of drought, and it was like we could not imagine ever having enough rain. And then we've gone through several years of way too much rain in the spring. <laughs> We're like, give us drought again. You know, at least we can drip water our plants as long as there's water in the pond. It's better to have not enough raw water rather than too much. But um, 
So trusting in God is something that we have to do as, an, as adults, and it's something that we've been seeking to teach our children. And then just being grateful. I mean, those plants don't have to come up. God doesn't have to give us those gifts that he gives us every single day. We don't even deserve for the sun to come up in the morning. That's a miracle every day that it happens. And it's a miracle that comes from God, and it's a miracle that we can be grateful for. Let me read to you another quote that comes from Testimonies for the Church. It says, To live in the country is very beneficial for children. An active out-of-door life will develop health of body and mind. They should have a garden to cultivate where they find both amusement and useful employment. I really liked that. They should find amusement in the garden. They should love to go there because it's an exciting place to them, and they can find useful employment there. The training of plants and flowers tends to the improvement of taste and judgment, while an acquaintance with God's useful and beautiful creations has a refining and ennobling influence upon the mind, referring it to the maker and master of all. And like I said at the beginning, that's really the whole point of this. We want our children to come into contact with the Creator and to become more like Him. And we have found that being out in His second book is the best place for children to experience that and to draw closer to God. But we as parents, as mentors, as teachers need to be intentional about connecting those lessons because it's not like they're going to naturally go out there and be able to articulate to themselves all the object lessons around. But if we're intentional about articulating that for them, then that connection will always be there in the future. And being out in nature can really grow them, draw them closer to God. So life is a journey. We are learning and growing together. As our children are nearing um, homeschool age, I'm sure that it'll look a little bit different as I step back from more of the business side of gardening and focus more on the, uh, you know, full-time children's education. Uh, But I'm sure that our lives will always include lots and lots of agriculture, lots of time out of doors. I have to say one thing that's been an advantage of tent living is that you just don't spend a lot of time in the tent, you know, you sleep in a tent. And so basically in the morning, once we make our beds and clean up everything, wash the dishes, then we're outside all day. And there's really no particular motivation to go back to the tent. I mean, like what for? In the summer, it's hot in there. And in the winter, it's cold in there unless you kept the fire going. So we come back home at night, and my children spend all day, every day, pretty much outside. And it's, it's been good. And, and we've, we've seen real advantages to that, to, de- to that in them and their development. So that's the end of what I have to share. But if you have any questions, I am happy to answer them to the best of my ability. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.